Welcome back. It's great to be with you again. My name is James Paniki. This is MLEX's weekly podcast covering the top stories in regulatory affairs with the help of our team of reporters around the world. This week, we're returning to Section 230. That's the US law that ensures that digital platforms aren't held legally responsible for the material that their users post. It's unlike laws in any other jurisdiction, and it has enabled digital platforms to grow larger and larger without having to worry about pesky defamation or copyright lawsuits. Today, though, Section 230 appears to be facing considerable pushback. The issue was at centre stage recently as the US Supreme Court considered two lawsuits targeting respectively Twitter and Google. Google, of course, is the owner of YouTube. To discuss these challenges, I'm joined by our DC-based reporter Madeleine Hughes and our global digital risk correspondent Mike Swift, who usually dials in from San Francisco but who is in Toronto, Canada this week covering an unrelated story. Maddie, firstly, last week we heard Google warn the Supreme Court that this case could upend the internet. Those are clearly fighting words there. What's it all about? Yeah, so last week um, I was at the Supreme Court listening to two different cases. Both of them were families of those killed in terrorist attacks attempting to hold two different social media companies liable for terrorist content on those particular websites. And the one where they talked about it potentially upending the internet, that was in the Google v. Gonzalez case, where the lawyers wrote in the briefs about a month ago that a ruling against Google could potentially upend the internet. And that's because this case centered on the potential liability that Google had because of the website's use of algorithms. So the family was suing because YouTube, which is owned by Google, has uh, ISIS content on it. And they were saying that because Google uses these kind of recommendation algorithms to push content to people because uh, they potentially like something, so that is why they should be liable under this law called Section 230, because the algorithms make it different than regular content that is posted on the internet. Okay, well, that brings us to Section 230. And Mike, I suppose particularly for non-US listeners, just remind us what it is and why it's so important in this context. Yeah, so it's uh, kind of a unique protection that US-based companies have that um, for an interactive online platform that is putting up content that is posted by its users, there's a, a really a broad legal shield uh, for liability for anything you know defamatory, violating of copyright, violent or abusive, pornographic. I mean, there's just a long list of uh, potential bad stuff that can be put on there, and it's kind of ironic to me. I, I you know I. Sometimes I step back and I'm amazed we got we're here where we are now where it's so well known at least in the United States because I remember covering these cases in the federal courts of San Francisco five or six years ago and we were always like does anybody care about this stuff and then along came a guy named Donald Trump and started talking about this horrible thing called Section 230 and I remember being so shocked that the president of the United States was mentioning Section 230 but. You know, it's now become this huge issue where Republicans are uh, worried that these liberal-leaning 
online platforms are taking down too much conservative content. And um, Democrats are, are also worried that, um, you know, there, there's too much stuff uh, staying up. So nobody is really happy with it, but nobody wants to get rid of it either. And, and that's the difficulty of the whole thing. And the law is only about 26 words. It has broad implications, but it is pretty small in size. And it was really a, a, amazing in the run-up to the, the SCOTUS uh, oral arguments the other day how there was kind of this chicken little quality, the sky is falling to a lot of the commentary like, oh my God, you know, we're, we're, we're going to lose this shield. And, and uh, you know, I think the importance of Section 230 got even more elevated. I heard one guy one commentator, some law professor who was calling it the Magna Carta of the internet. And, and so, so it became, things became really hypercharged uh, leading up to, to the Supreme Court uh, oral arguments the other day. Well, that's right. 26 words that have, according to some people at least, have created an entire online industry, right? But I mean, the, the, the case against Twitter, and this is where it becomes interesting, wasn't about defamation or pornography or copyright or all of the things that... Uh, Mike just mentioned, it was an anti-terrorism case. So, Maddie, how does Section 230 play into that? Yeah, so Section 230 plays into the terrorism case because terrorism content or, you know, helping terrorists is something that is illegal uh, in the U.S. However, it has not been tested on social media companies, uh, particularly until now. And so the family of uh, the man killed in the Istanbul nightclub, they're saying because Twitter hosts this content uh, by ISIS on the website, that Twitter should have some sort of liability. However, because Twitter is a website shielded by this law, that is where these two cases kind of clash. And the justices have to figure it out. Justice Amy Comey Barrett, she actually asked uh, on the day the Google case was being heard. And she asked, so if tomorrow, if we don't find Twitter to have any liability under the anti-terrorism laws, do we have to actually talk about this Section 230 thing? And the lawyer, uh, the one representing the United States um, from the Solicitor General's office and uh, the lawyer from Google basically said, uh, no, we don't, we don't have to decide the Section 230 thing. If, you know, there's no liability in the anti-terrorism case. And, and Maddie, more broadly, how was this discussion going down in the courtroom? What were some of the reactions that you saw there? Yeah. So across the board, um, the justices were pretty skeptical about the ramifications of these cases. And so essentially, you know, there's other laws that banks, you know, have been found liable under the Anti-Terrorism Act. But that is what's seen as and what the Twitter lawyer distinguished as face to face contact. So there were lots of hypotheticals thrown at um, each of the uh, lawyers throughout the two days. It was actually a, almost three hours of arguments each day, which is uh, pretty long arguments to be made. So, you know, the justices were very diligently asking these questions to try to find those lines. Mike, uh, Justice Clarence Thomas, who, of course, is one of the conservative judges on the Supreme Court, he had previously voiced uh, a sense that maybe the time had come to narrow the protections offered by Section 230. Was there any uh, evidence that uh, this is the direction in which he is heading this time as well? 
Well, you know, as Maddie was saying earlier, um, Section 230, it's really kind of a marvel of brevity. It's only about two dozen words. And a big factor in this being such a significant legal shield for U.S. Internet companies is really how the courts have interpreted it over the years. Um, Going back to a ruling by the Fourth Circuit uh, of a Court of Appeals in 1997, just a year after um, the law was passed, where you may remember something called America Online, and uh, there was a a guy who was accused on AOL of selling T-shirts cheering on the terrorist bombing of uh, the federal building in Oklahoma City uh, in 1995. And this guy sued AOL and said, you know, this is destroying my life. I'm, I'm, people are thinking I'm putting out these horrific t-shirts and I'm not. And AOL, you have to stop this. And, and AOL won that case because uh, it was not held liable for people putting up this defamatory content. And really, even ever since then, it's been the appeals courts that have really shaped how this law is interpreted, um, even more so than than the original document. So that brings us up to the present, and it was Clarence Thomas who, in 2020, was really the first uh, justice to speak out uh, about Section 230 and said, you know, I really think that this uh, legal shield is too broad. There need to be more exceptions. And so, you know, going into the other, the arguments of the other day, I think there were a lot of eyes uh, trained on Justice Thomas a lot more than usually are uh, to see if he was going to successfully bring along the rest of the justices to that point of view. And, you know, Maddie's was there, so it's better uh, positioned to comment on it, but it doesn't seem like he was successful in doing that. Um, so it didn't come out through his questions, really. Uh, he definitely was not asking uh, his questions kind of in line with that thought. A lot of people in the tech industry were kind of surprised at that. I think that that relieves some of their fears about a ruling this way and uh, just how the justices were talking in general, Um, you know, especially after that first day in the Google hearing, Google arguments, that's when um, there was a little bit of relief among them. And so, I mean, it could be this case. It could be because this is terrorist content that they are looking at. There is, you know, the potential um, next uh, session that there could be other uh, Section 230 cases brought to the court that they could hear. But, you know, it didn't come to fruition this time. Mandy and Mike, it was great talking to you both. Thank you so much for your coverage. We really appreciate it. It was great talking with you. Thanks, James. Madeline Hughes is an MLEX data privacy and security reporter based in Washington, D.C. Mike Swift is MLEX's global digital risk correspondent, who this week was coming to us from Toronto, where he's been following the Federal Court of Canada's Cambridge Analytica proceedings. As for the U.S. Supreme Court's final decision on the Section 230-related lawsuits, they are expected sometime before the end of June, so chances are that we'll be speaking to the team again in the not-too-distant future. The analysis that Maddie and Mike wrote about these Supreme Court cases is online and ready for you to enjoy. The website address is mlexmarketinsight.com. That's M-L-E-X marketinsight.com. Just click on the News Hub tab for the very best reporting and analysis from the MLEX team. And don't forget to subscribe to the MLEX podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify and Stitcher. 
Over the course of the week, a special edition of the podcast should be appearing in your feed. That's to mark the publication of our special report on future mobility, which will be out very soon. And next Friday, we'll be discussing the regulation of artificial intelligence, so there will be plenty to talk about there. For today, that's all we have time for. The podcast is produced and presented by me, James Paniki. It's published with the assistance of MLEX's London-based marketing team, and our executive producer is Richard Thompson. From all of us here at MLEX and LexisNexis, thank you for your company. I'll see you again very soon. Bye for now.